Hey everybody, welcome back to your dog's best life. It is another week of mayhem and madness in the worlds of Leanne and Emily, <laughs> which I don't know if it can be considered mayhem and madness if it happens every week. That might just be life at this point. Yeah, that's normal, that's sad. <laughs> sad. <laughs> it's like, what happened this week? Well, <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> I don't think um, I had anything like major animal. Well, that's, you know, that's not entirely true. I did oh. go out to, I did discover that um, my desert tortoise, Doris, Doris the tortoise, um, is apparently a cold-blooded killer. I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know that uh, torti were carnivorous, but um, I went out into her pen the other day and there was a bird that was no longer with us in her water bowl. So I can only assume she snatched it out of the sky and dispatched it. <laughs> By drowning. <laughs> By drowning. Yeah. yeah. This is, so, <laughs> so I had to tell you a story. This is great. So when I moved up here, um, my, I have these neighbors kind of behind me and they, they're the kind of people who like to think they should own animals, but probably really shouldn't own animals. And they um, really don't know honestly anything at all. And so they, um, they owned chickens and I, was I, I met them and I'm talking to them and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to get chickens. I hear your roosters. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. We have chickens. She said, but you know, some, something keeps, they keep dying. And I, I don't know why they keep dying. And I'm like, well, you know, that, that was back quite a while ago when we had a Newcastle outbreak here in Arizona. And so I said, well, oh, yeah. right now, you know, if you have a chicken die of like unknown causes, you know, if it wasn't trotting away in the mouth of a coyote, you can take it to the, to the vet lab and they will test it for free to make sure it doesn't have Newcastles. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll keep that in mind, but every time I see one dead, it's floating in the duck pond. Uh, and I, uh, um, <laughs> I'm like, but, okay. uh, <laughs> like, I'm not even where we're going to go with this. <laughs> maybe it's a clue. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, peoples. Oh, peoples. <laughs> oh, I thought that was great. I'm just, I just kind of stood there. This is the first time I've ever met this person. I'm like, hmm. Okay, well, if one dies and it's not <laughs> it's not drowned, um, <laughs> you could take yeah. it. In. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about chickens. Like, I think that that's where the whole like, if they look up during a rainstorm, they'll drown. I think that's where that came from because they. Yeah, no, that's turkeys, like but chickens are not. So I did have, whenever I have my pet sitters come up, I kind of explain to them, look, you know, here's the vet and here's some information from, you know, here's some of my veterinary technician friends and you have my phone number. And if anything happens to one of the dogs, give me a call. And if anything happens to the sheep, if it's not clearly dying, ignore it. And if anything happens to the chickens, most, so the thing about chickens and all poultry is there's usually two you know, I used, I remember, you know, kind of two planes of anesthesia, alive and dead. There's no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of middle ground. And so I always warn them, look, you know, they, you could go down and it's not unlikely that you'll see a dead chicken or a dead duck. Now I've never lost a goose, but uh, I mean, at some point I probably will. And I said, so here's the deal. If that occurs, 
you know, the big thing is not, oh my God, this, this chicken died. I hope its name's not Sally and Leanne's all, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. The big issue is you've got a dead bird on the property and we don't right. have, we live in the middle of nowhere. We have no garbage pickup. They're going to smell pretty rank, pretty fast. So at first we used to do like a rock top burial on top of this, this boulder. We have a, a big, probably like 50 foot tall boulder that you could throw the chicken onto. Now it's kind of sketchy because it doesn't have a huge platform on top. And so there's a lot of chicken bouncing back on your head kind of <laughs> going on, which some might find upsetting. Um, and if you get, if you succeed in getting it up there, then the only things that could take it down are vultures and ravens and really strong winds. Uh, we gave up on that just because of the amount of talk. You, you kind of feel horrified after it's, it's fallen down on your head a couple times. I mean, it's just like <laughs> no longer an honorable burial. This is now just like, <laughs> this is like chicken basketball at this point. Yeah, this is, this is just, you know, you to be calling Peter or the sheriff or somebody. So, so yeah. now I'm just like, look, just kind of chuck it off the mountain. And Billy, my livestock guardian dog, will pick it up. And she'll carry it around for a couple days and then it will just kind of evaporate. It'll just become one with Billy and she'll eventually eat it. And that's really hard news for my pet sitters because they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, just give it to the dogs. I mean, honestly, it's chicken. I mean, it's chicken. And At this point, they're raw feeders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're my dogs. And so, so I've had that. But so I had, so I had a pet sitter and she she texts me to say one of my chickens passed away. And at that time I was a fairly new chicken owner. And I was like, Oh no, which one? Cause there were some that I really, really liked. And she said, well, here, let me send you a picture. This is the most fucked up thing I have to send. This is so jacked. So what had happened that I could think of, and this is sad, but the same song disturbingly just, okay. So there was a concrete cinder block in the chicken coop. And it was laying in a way that the chicken, there was, there must have been food inside the cinder block and the chicken had put its head inside the cinder block and lost its footing. And then and, gotten stuck. And been head down into the cinder block and perished. Ass up. And so she sends me this picture of a chicken butt hanging out of a cinder block. And I'm like, was there a suicide note or is this a hazing incident gone wrong? I mean, <laughs> no, this, this is just is not, the, the this is homicide. Suicide. Yeah. <laughs> it's not normal. Oh my God. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's what life on the ranch is like. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Which is not even remotely what it was we were going to talk about today, but it, this is what happens when we when well, we get on rant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> This is how our lives go, though. You start off thinking that your day is going to be one way, and it's decidedly not. Yeah, and we should mention that just in case anybody wants to visit Arizona, don't. It is, it's been 10 degrees above normal the entire month of August after setting records in the entire month of July. And it's like we are literally sitting on the sun. I mean, it is yeah. It just, oh, if anybody wants to visit Arizona, here's the deal. Take a postcard of Arizona. Put it in front of your face, open up your oven, turn it to 200 degrees, stick your head in the oven and call it good. Oh no, get a blow dryer. So you get the wind effect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hold the wind to one side. 
And then just yeah. say dry heat over and over again. It's <laughs> <laughs> been brutal. It's been. Uh, or it'll, it'll be monsoon any day now. Oh, that's a lie. Don't even don't even try. Just a present. Did you actually get any rain? Did you get any rain? No, no, not a bit. <laughs> You're like, what is rain? Describe this. Describe this to me. <laughs> no, no, I got to watch it from here, but I didn't get any. Yeah, other people's rain. I hate that kind yeah. of rain. I think that's yeah. the worst kind. I get thunder and lightning, so I have scared border collies, but I don't get any actual water from the sky, which at this point, I'm well, thinking it would be a apocalypse anyway. So It was okay, though, because it did get overcast enough to drop the temperature, you know, yeah. into the low into the low 90s. So that was really quite was refreshing. Crazy. Crazy. I got out your, your parka and everything. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So, okay. Well, anyway, so we were, so last week we talked about, what the hell did we talk about? Last week we talked, oh my God. Last week we talked about separation society. And one of the things that we brought up, you were like, wait, what did we talk about? I could have told Uh, you right up until you asked me. (laughs) We, one of the things we talked about is doggy daycare as an option. And that got me to thinking uh, because there are two things that people bring up a lot and and um, my clients and, and our vet clients, my dog training clients, uh, it's about doggy day because people have very strong feelings about this. Doggy daycare and even more strong feelings, uh, dog parks. Yeah. So we're going to talk today a little bit about the whys and why nots of doggy daycares, doggy day, yeah, doggy daycare. Um, why we like them or why we don't like them. And I don't know, we haven't talked yet. So for all I know, we have completely divergent opinions, which would be nice. It'd be fun to explore completely divergent opinions, but I suspect that's not the case. So (laughs) they're probably pretty close. I I might have a different take on it than you because I have actually worked in a doggy daycare before. So yeah, you probably will. So so let's start off with doggy daycare because that's the one that's going to not be us both raving from the top of a mountain screaming, don't do it. Um, yeah. So doggy daycare, that's kind of a new phenomenon. Actually, it's only been around for maybe the last, maybe last 15 to 20 years as a yeah. big enough thing for people. I mean, don't call me if you know of one that happened in 1987, because the only one in existence doesn't count. It has to be something that everybody knows about. So, yeah. that, and what the idea is, is you drop your dog off in the morning and the dog rampages throughout the day and goes home in the evening exhausted in a coma state and you feel good about that. And so right. you work at one. So tell me without naming names, we don't want to, unless right. you love um, <laughs> unless, unless you can do thing. Um, tell so, us a little bit about that and, and what the experience was like. Right. So the one that I worked at was about 20 years ago. So it was right when they were coming on the scene. Um, and that's when I lived in Colorado. Um, and you know, Honestly, 20 years ago, what we knew about dog behavior um, was a lot different. And what we knew about dog training was a lot different. So keeping that in mind. And if if you think that's untrue, you can fight me because it's a changed a lot in 20 years. Um, so the facility that I worked at was in an old warehouse. So the space was huge. I forget how many square feet, but it was a lot of square feet. 
Um, and they had divided it into a small dog area, a large dog area, and then several ginormous uh, boarding kennels, which I did. I did love that. Like easily could fit two Great Danes with room to spare. Um, so they, yes. And, and that was their standard, that was their standard suite. So tons of room. Um, and so they had daycare. They did not push boarding, but they did have it as an option, obviously. Um, they didn't push it because they didn't stay on site. So, um, there was a, a small outdoor area for, for potty, but otherwise it was just a huge indoor warehouse facility. We had some agility equipment. It was concrete floors. Um, and our, our method for breaking up fights was super soakers and direct stop if needed in that order. Um, most of my fights were broken up using what I call my inner bitch voice, which is, you know, the voice you bring out to stop a bar fight. Um, so which is wait. So is direct stop, is that the horn or? No, that's the. Petronella spray or? Uh, I want to say way back then it was actually pepper spray. It oh, might like, have been. Cool. like bear spray. Okay. Yeah. It might've been, it, it might've been citronella spray back then. And I just was deluding myself. I don't know, but. You um, thought you had a lot more protection than you thought you did. Right. <laughs> you're lighting right. a little candle and you think you're spraying pepper in their eyes. <laughs> but I will say I worked there. I worked there for probably a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, I only had one fight. I actually had to intervene in the rest of it was just dog yelling you know, just dogs yelling at each other, nothing, nothing intense. Um, but we also, we screened every dog, um, for appropriate behavior when they came and we would remove dogs from the day group if they were from the play group, if they were unable to be nice to each other. Um, so there was a lot of positive things. Um, some of the negative things, and this is, you know, things hindsight 2020, um, there were not nearly enough people per dog. And like yeah, I said, it was never, it was ne never an issue for, for me personally, yeah. but I think that that was probably just a matter of time. Um, so I would say on average, I had anywhere between 25 and 40 dogs that I was responsible for. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. My oh, yeah. God. So yeah, you would be um, screwed if, been, like, if you'd had two legitimate dogs and they were already piling on, you would have had dead yeah. dogs. Yeah, it would have, it would have been not good, um, but again, nothing happened. So live and learn. I don't believe that they subscribe to that anymore. Um, it was just the way it was. You know, a new business. It was growing. Yeah, it was yeah. just the way it. It's just the way it the, it fell. Yeah, um, that was a very that was when it was new because that's when we were starting off with a right. veterinary hospital where I worked. So we yep. were playing with the numbers too. Yep. So. And the other negative thing that I would say, um, and again, this is, I don't know that this is the way it is anymore there. It's just the way it was. Uh, there was never any downtime. Those dogs were encouraged to go full tilt all day because of course the goal is to send home a tired dog, right? right. So the way to do that is to exhaust them. Um, and I do remember one time I took my very first Aussie there and this is before I was working there. Um, and I was just using them as a, as a service and like I said, it was a huge warehouse and I dropped my Aussie off and I think I just did a half day with her. And when I picked her up, the owner was all kind of like, oh, man, 
I was like, why? He was like, man, I use the tennis racket and I hit the tennis ball for your dog for two hours and she wouldn't stop. Oh shit. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. All right. Well, I guess, I guess that's one way to do it. Um, so yeah, so that, that I would say was, was a negative is there was no downtime. There was no quiet time. Um, and dogs were not separated by age, only size. So there was no developmental uh, considerations in effect. Yeah. So a six month Great Dane would be in with the big dogs. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, I don't know that it's like that anymore. That's the way it was 20 years ago. That's a lot has changed since then. Um, but I will say we had a dog there who was, we were her, literally we her last hope. It was a Dalmatian. Uh, mom lived in an apartment. The dog had severe separation anxiety, um, had caused hundreds of dollars of damage to the inside of her apartment, um, had resulted in multiple complaints called into animal control. Um, and so basically she was at the point, um, legally where they said, find a solution or you're gone or get rid of the dog. Um, she was, this was literally her like last ditch effort. And was the dog happy in daycare? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That dog paced the entire time, was looking for mom the entire time. And all that dog wanted to do was get the hell out of there. However, the dog was safe. She wasn't destructive. She didn't self-harm. She didn't bother other dogs. And she wasn't in the house destroying things and making noise. So in that particular case, like that saved that dog's life. So, yeah, there's, there's ups and downs. Definitely. Um, you know, I took my own dogs there when I worked there and minus the beagle pooping in the middle of the 12 foot long tunnel, every goddamn time I took him. They did really, really well. Like they had, they they were, you know, well-adjusted social dogs. So it wasn't a, wasn't a big deal to them. Um, but I did see a variety, you know, there's, there was dogs that tolerated it. There were dogs that loved it. There were dogs that hated it. Um, yeah, there's a whole range. Hmm. So, cause we, st we, so we, the veterinary hospital I worked at, we did start a small daycare, right? I want to say maybe 15 years ago, about. So it was not a big deal at that time. It was pretty small. I think we had like four or five dogs and we had the, it was great because in the boarding staff, we had a boarding kennel within the hospital. The boarding staff then, then had something to do in the middle of the day because if you work at a boarding kennel and this, I mean, the daycare is a brilliant idea for owners of boarding kennels because their staff comes in in the morning and works their butt off feeding and cleaning up the kennels from the dogs and taking in dogs and, and releasing dogs. But then the middle of the day is pretty dead. And then the end of the day is kind of the same thing all over again. Right. Um, in the middle of the day, it's just, well, we're, you know, letting a dog out at a time or letting two dogs out at a time or, you know, taking dogs for a walk or whatever, but it's not this, this massive of activity. And so the number of people that you need in the middle of the day is generally lower than the mass of people that you need in the beginning and the end of the day. 
So right. it was nice for us. And we, it was like an added deal for our, our good clients. And we probably had, because I remember we, we kind of sat down at some point, I want to say five years into it and decided we need to actually make this, we need rules for this. We need a plan for this. You know, we, we were starting to look at, we were starting to get 10, 11 dogs, 12 dogs. And we're like, okay, we're at the point now where we actually need to ensure that the staff is incredibly trained for body language, that we are making sure that we really institute high quality downtime for these dogs, that um, we are careful with, like we had a flooring issue where they would, they had a little swimming pool outside, but the, that they would run in, it used to be the break room. Right. And we made yeah. it into the indoor outdoors. We had a, a door that was open to the outside and if the weather was not horrific, they could run in and out. So they'd run in and out and they'd come back into the, what was then the break room, which was concrete. And they dive into the little kiddie pool that we had out there and they come flying into the concrete and we're like, okay, let's not create a yep. cruciate. <laughs> let's not blow a cruciate. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, so there were things like that. And then we were starting to talk about well, we need probably two people on hand at all times. Cause if there's a dog fight. You probably need one person per dog. Um, yeah. to do the math. You probably takes two to tango um, and pulling apart two dogs with one person is a little, Hard and, t- and then again, you don't know if you're going to have a piling on situation because dogs are always going to be dogs. So, but I didn't work back up in, I didn't work back in the boarding kennel and I, I managed it briefly long enough to know that we were trying to hire another manager because I didn't want to deal with it. But um, <laughs> I, I, we never had any problems with it, but we were super careful with who we took in. Uh, we mixed sizes, we mixed ages. Uh, but other than that, you know, in like, Catchem went, my, my older border collie, who's 12. So, oh my God, so it must've been like 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah. So Catchem went, but you know, she learned to fence fight ah. because they run along the fences on the outdoor kennels and just fence fight along those back wall. So, I mean, yeah. she did learn some, some bad behaviors, uh, but I don't have fences. <laughs> so, so that never became a problem here, Our but <laughs> it would have become a problem someplace else. Um, and the problem that I, so, so I, I have very mixed emotions on dog, dog, doggy daycare. And part yeah. of it is because I, I'm not in them. Yeah. So I, I can't see what's going on. And so I'm only, I have to base everything on what is an idealized version, what I think is actually happening in most of them. And, and what I'm seeing in the dogs who spend a lot of time in them. So I see the dogs I'm seeing that are coming from daycare, that dog, that the owners, first what's happening is I see a lot of owners are getting dogs that are a little too much dog. And then they're shipping them off to daycare every day because they think that's a good idea. And it it might be. And then depending on the quality of the daycare. And again, I can't, I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here because I can't speak for every daycare because I'm not. Right. Right. I think from what I'm seeing in the dogs, a lot of them are a Lord of the Flies style, exactly what you're describing, where some dog spends the entire day hiding underneath the chair and the other dogs are rampaging assholes. And so I see dogs who become psychotically reactive. I had a dog who actually did a whole predatory sequence on a small dog in one of my classes. And the owner said, oh yeah, he had done that in daycare. And I was like, okay, this is information should have had since you can't handle this 100 pound plus dog 
and I had a little dog in class. This would have been relevant information prior to me putting you in a classroom setting as if this dog attempted to kill another dog in daycare. That would have been relevant. Yeah. The yeah. second thing is, is this dog's behavior was, what, from what I could tell, looking at it, was absolutely predatory. This was not a fear reaction. This was not a play reaction that had gone over the top. This was absolutely predatory behavior. Um, and the dog was incredibly dog reactive. And she's like, oh, yeah, but he's fine once he gets into daycare. And I'm like, ah, that, that, I just, that, that is not, well, but he's fine. Well, except for he tried to eat this dog. I'm like, well, the, okay. Well, that's not exactly fine. I'm pretty, pretty sure the other dog would say that that's not fine. But it's not fine. That's totally not fine. And it's not fine for the other dogs either to have a 120-pound dog who could turn predatory at any moment. Um, and I just see these dogs who come home and yes, they're exhausted, but like you were saying about your own Aussie, I don't want a dog who spent the last four hours or two hours chasing a tennis ball or chasing other dogs. Um, yeah. They don't learn anything. So and, and my their learning is not good. Yeah. And so my take on that is like, I don't want to throw a baby out with the bathwater. I think that in our modern life, dog daycares can fill a hugely vital role, hugely vital role. Um, the problem is money versus uh, quality, for lack of a, a more eloquent way of putting it. Um, you know, you have to, you have to get so many dogs in to cover the cost of right. it's very maintaining it. Right. And it is, I'm sorry. It's a skilled job. I know when you walk in, you see, you know, a teen to 20 something standing around staring at puppies playing all day, but that's, that's not the case. There's, you need to be able to read body language. You need to be able to predict what's going to happen before it's going to happen. You have to know the dogs and what they can tolerate and what they can't. You have to know how to safely break up a fight without getting bit, preferably prevent a fight from ever happening. You have to be able to wrangle and manage. You have to know what heat stroke looks like. You have to know what, you know, an injury is like really an injury or, Ooh, I just hit that, you know, corner of the A-frame and ow. Um, like there's a lot of knowledge that has to go into that and you're not going to get it for, you know, $10 an hour. That's just, that's not what you're going to get. Um, and I want to see a daycare that limits the number of dogs per person. Um, I want to see a daycare that limits the amount of play per dog. Um, meaning it's not eight hours straight of high speed and low down. It's, you know, maybe an hour of rough and tumble and then some directed play. And then everybody chills out, whether it's in kennels or, you know, there's, there isn't a daycare here local in Tucson that can get all the dogs to lay down in a big room together on blankets, not placed, just, you know, they have a blanket if they want to lay on it and they turn out the lights and they read a story. And literally all the dogs have been conditioned to just chill out for a half an hour. And then they can go back to playing and they need to do that because they need to like get rid of some of that adrenaline in their system you know, they need to process that. And plus, I just think it's a really valuable skill for a dog to learn how to de-escalate. Like, that's just, that's just a fantastic skill. Um, so, you know, if you have a daycare doing those things, 
I think it can be super, super valuable for stable dogs. And that's the important part. Um, if your dog is not stable, if your dog is not super social, if your dog is uncomfortable around other dogs, if your dog is a resource guarder, if your dog has anxiety issues, like there's a whole laundry list of things that I would say, please don't take your dog to a daycare. Find somebody that'll do a decompression walk for you in the middle of the day instead. Like there's other options for enrichment and exercise that'll be way less stressful and detrimental to your dog than daycare. But I would hate to say all daycares should be banned from the face of the planet because like later would do great in a daycare. You know, she would, she would have a blast. She'd have a great time going to a doggy daycare. Um, so I think it has its place. I just think you, if you're going to use one, you need to, you need to know how they operate. I would not even attempt to go to one that's not fully transparent in what they do, that doesn't have cameras so that you can watch, um, you know, that doesn't advertise how they train their staff, um, which means for a lot of people, they're not going to be able to find one, but still. And I, and I think people have to understand too, that they, when they have cameras to watch, that they, that they should not see their dog rampaging all day long. Right. It should be actually pretty limited that, that dogs actually need quite a bit of sleep, like 18 hours or 15 hours or something like that. And so if it's your eight hours at night, plus this, they should have seven hours of sleep sometime other than that. And else at another time during the day. And these dogs are just, you know, so you should not, if you look at a camera of a daycare, you should not see a dog hiding underneath the couch. You should not see a dog um, bullying other dogs. All play, and this is an important life skill for everybody who takes their dog anywhere for dog on dog play, whether it's puppy, puppy socials or dog parks or, or daycares, you should always see give and take between two dogs. If one dog is always chasing and one dog is always running, that is not play. Yeah. And you should see, and you should see staff actively involved all the time, all the time. Like that should just be, there should be somebody else there to answer phones. Staff that isn't with the dog should be on it all the time. And I think that's that's where I suspect that you're going to have problems with this idealized vision because what's the minimum wage in Arizona? 10, 10 bucks, 10 bucks an hour. So anybody, honestly, anybody who's probably smart enough to have the skill set that you're talking about, where they can read the body language and, and recognize what's about to go down before it goes down and be proactive and do all these things is probably going to be bored to tears within 10 minutes. And they're going to need another job or they're going to need a boatload more pay. And that's where I think, I think that's where the bottom falls out of this whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the numbers don't work? Well, and honestly, okay. So full disclosure, at one point I was looking at starting, um, a doggy daycare in my world. It's the, the perfect thing, right? Like it's not boarding. So you're not going to be slammed during holidays and weekends. Um, and you get to see for me, it's perfect. Cause I would geek out on dog behavior all freaking day long. Like that would just be right. That would just be my, 
my idea of heaven. But um, Maggie ran one, and she loved it. But she did a lot of training in the in in it in the middle of it too. But here's the thing: for me to run it with no employees, for me just to pay myself, pay my expenses, cover costs, etc. I believe the numbers I came up with was I needed at least 15 dogs a day at $25 per dog. Yeah. And that's just me. That's not staff. That's me doing the work, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, every day. So, and that doesn't count, you know, office work and, and everything else that goes with it. Um, And that's, you know, that was, that was bare minimum. That wasn't enough to make like a fancy fluffy profit at all. That was to cover the cost of my bills um, and be able to buy groceries. So, and, and you got to figure $25 per dog per day. How many people are going to pay that per week to bring their dog every day? Or even, you know, even if they do 50, $75 a week, you know, that, that shit adds up and people just don't have that kind of disposable income for their dogs for the most part. No, I mean, I don't know what people pay for dog, dog, doggy daycare. I know it's pretty high. I mean, it's, I think it's kind of around 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say it was 15 to 20 was what I was seeing at the time. Um, And, but they were also offering things like training and and boarding to help supplement that, um, which I was not counting in. So, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard, there's a hard financial burden there to get what it is you need. Um, yeah, I think the economics would be very, um, a, a tough, a tough nut to crack to, to ensure that. And again, you'd have to have a kennel staff. I mean, what you really need is you need, you need that high quality skilled kennel staff so that they can, because the other thing is they have to stay sharp. And I think asking somebody to stay sharp while they watch dogs for 10 hours a day is, is ludicrous. They can't, there's just no way. It's hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. Or, you know, doing something just because it's going to be, it's going to be too boring. So you have to be able to rotate staff in and out. And I think that's where the kennel staff comes in. Or if you have dog trainer apprentices or things like that, um, that's probably the best, the best solution for that. So the big thing I would try to say is if you guys, if, if you are interested in a doggy day camp, daycare, just, just make sure to really, really study, study it. Um, my cautions would be really, if you have a big dog, really pay attention to that flooring. If that flooring gets wet and it's hard and it's like linoleum or concrete and you have a large goofy Labrador, you yeah. are blowing a cruciate. And if he's like an idiot and slams in the walls and he dribbles, somebody dribbles water or pees on the floor, the next thing you know is you're down for at least $3,000. That's for the first knee and the second knee is on the way. <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah. um, or a pit. And uh, so that'd be the first thing. The second would be numbers. Um, I think that we were, we were trying to get our numbers down to like seven to one was our goal for staff. Yeah. And I, don't think I, think the, uh, I think the recommendation is 10 to one, no more than 10 to one. Okay. And that's, and so definitely really pay attention to that and ask about qualifications and the other thing is, like I said, just watch, watch what's happening. The longer dogs play, the more the arousal goes up. 
So if these dogs are allowed to play and play and play and play, the arousal is going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. And so dogs who start off playing appropriately are going to become more and more aroused as they play. And that's when, oh my God, out of nowhere, I don't know why he was, he'd only been, he'd been playing perfectly fine for 20 minutes. Well, he, you should have stopped the play after 15 minutes. You know, you should have been yeah. able to do the arousal levels. So definitely pay attention to, you know, if a dog is hiding underneath the chair and that dog's been coming for more than a day, <laughs> I would really be cautious because that tells me that they don't care about what the dog is going through. Uh, right. Right. And that's why that, that's why those timeouts are really important. Those downtimes yeah, are really important to allow a dog to spend its whole day afraid of its surroundings. That is right. not appropriate. And if they allow that and they're like, well, if he's at home, he barks, well, get a freaking trainer because that is not a good way for a dog to live. That is just not yeah. appropriate. And that's why I say, you know, there are options like, you know, finding tr- there are um, dog walkers that will dog do walkers, what are called yeah. yeah that'll do what are called decompression walks, which is they take the dog someplace great and they put them on a long line and they just let them sniff and and wander and sniff and investigate and do dog things, um, which is fantastic for letting their brain unwind. They can pee on all the things, they can it's sniff great. all the things. Sometimes they can dig in all the things, um, and then they get to come home and relax. And yeah, sometimes too. Yeah, they're they're using their brain. They're not being forced to interact in a way that they're not comfortable with. It's usually either with other completely dog safe dogs or by themselves, um, themselves, themselves, themselves. One dog. Um, So it's it's there are alternatives. It does not have to be daycare. you know, if that's not appropriate for your, for your dog, which like I said, it's not for a lot of dogs. I I will be honest. It's daycare is even a well-run daycare is not appropriate for probably the majority of dogs. Yeah. I would say, I think I would think it would be the majority of dogs would not be appropriate for daycare. So most people don't, I think most people really don't do a lot of daycare, but I think most people really do is go to doggy um, dog parks. Okay. I just cringe when you say that. I, I cringe and I when you hear, say and, and, <sighs> and they've already heard from the veterinarian not to go. <laughs> Their entire yeah. veterinary staff has already told them don't go. And then if they have a trainer, the trainer has probably also said don't go. And they're yeah. still going. And, and you so, know why? Do you know why? I'll tell you why. Go. I can tell you why. Because in theory, in in average dog owner brain theory it's the perfect setup it's it's like your backyard with friends right who did, yeah, who like, wouldn't oh, love that yeah. it's kids. safe it's safe your dog can't run away right there's yeah. other dogs for it to play with and it's safe your dog can't run away and that is the sum total of thought they have about dog parks right there yeah, and it just makes the dog tired. Well, and I think there's a community aspect. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I was talking Well, sure, about because, and- I mean, anytime you walk or drive past a dog park, all you see is all the people standing around ignoring all the dogs and talking to each other. Which- Chatting, yeah. So <sighs> I, had client, I had a client, and I told him the very first time he came to me, I said, this dog, the, I said, the absolute last thing this dog should be doing is not be going to a dog park. 
Um, he had a terrible recall. You know, he had all these issues. He just adopted the dog. Um, and I'm like, do not take this dog to a dog park. So every single week he'd tell me how great the dog was doing at the dog park. And every single week in my written notes to the guy, I would say, do not take this dog to a dog park. Well, then I see him on a Facebook group that I'm a member of saying, my dog just attacked another dog at the dog park. What should I do? And I'm like, not take this dog to the dog park stop taking your dog and then somebody pipes up and they're like well dogs should always have dog friends and the dog parks are really valuable and i'm like okay so i think we should take a little bit of a deep dive into what dogs really need and we don't know i mean so what we're, what we're about to talk about probably has very little science behind it Okay, so we're just going to talk a little bit about the history of what dogs have been like, what their lives have been like, and what their lives are now. And we can kind of extrapolate from that what dogs need. So your dog probably does not need to have a bunch of random strange dogs compressed into a small dog park once or twice or five times a week. I'm going to say that right now. That's not normal for any dog anywhere under any circumstances. Do you know how I normally describe what a dog park is? How Chris, Christmas shopping at the Tucson mall. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a lot of flies. <laughs> no, seriously though. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, right? It's festive and it's Christmas and it's the holidays and there's food and great deals and you know, woohoo. And then you get there and there's a bunch of people breathing on you and trying to get the same things that you want. And Every time you turn around, there's somebody in your way and you can't move. And, you know, then you got some weirdo trying to talk to you and sell you shit in the middle of the mall while you're just trying to get from point A to point B. There's some little kid screaming the entire time. Like that is every dog park every time. And if you can go Christmas shopping in the Tucson mall for more than 15 minutes and not stab somebody with a shrimp fork, you are a better human than me. And I'm, and I am a pretty social person and I'm just like, no, no, just no, no. Mm -mm." I I would say ever. Um, and I'm certainly not going to go to mall ever again, apparently, because the world's ended, but uh, (laughs) I didn't go to malls ever. And the, and the last thing I would ever do would go to mall anytime after Thanksgiving. That is just not happening because humans. I did it once. That was a single event learning experience. (laughs) I did it once like, no, and it was, it was, too traumatic. was like, and my point, this was not when I lived in Tucson. This is when we lived in Sierra Vista and my poor husband at the time, like humored me and we drove an hour and a half to the mall. And after 10 minutes, I was like, out. I, want I, need, out. I want out, but I can't tell him I want out. Cause he, he, he drove oh. me all the way here and I wanted oh, this. No. And this uh, your, yeah, you bought this little girl. <laughs> and it was it was the most horrid experience ever and you know I I give him so much credit because he was quiet the whole time there wasn't one single I told you so that was he just oh I'm sure he was I'm sure he was yeah Yeah, I've saved myself I'll never do this damn trip again oh Jesus man yeah so dog parks my my general take for dogs is that dog parks suck. (laughs) Like, they think they suck, too. 
Yeah, I th- so here's this is what I always try to tell people. So first thing is, I think dog parks are a very good idea. I think I think when they were first envisioned by people, and I can't speak because I've never met the the guy who invented putting that in air quotes. Can't see my fingers, but invented dog parks, which are effectively just off leash areas where a dog can bar- run around and, and not get smashed by a car or arrested by the dog police. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it as having been the idea having been behind it. This is a place where a person who lives in an urban area with leash laws can go and throw a ball for their dog, their single yes. dog, dog yes. Fluffy, here's Fluffy. Or if Fluffy has a friend down the road and they don't have a big enough backyard, they can take Fluffy and Fluffy's friend and go. But mostly, I think it was mostly about playing Frisbee with your dog in a place where you weren't going to get thrown in jail. And, and that's fine. And I think that is what I absolutely encourage people to do. Please go to your dog park at midnight with a Frisbee and play with your bloody dog. Because here's excluding all of the, no one can read body language parts and there are dog fights parts and people don't pay attention parts. And this is a giant vector for disease parts, excluding all of that, (laughs) excluding all of that. What dogs te- what dog parks teach your dog? Let's say your dog sits at home all day. He's in a crate all day, quietly chewing his Kong and plotting his release. You come home, he erupts joyfully from this crate. Wee mom's home, wee dad's home, everybody's home. We bounce, 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 ricochet around the house. You clip the leash on, dog starts ricocheting around even more. You walk him or you drive him to the dog park and you release that leash. And then the dog park goes, oh, yay, rampage, friends, rampage, rampage, rampage. I'm a golden retriever. I love everybody. I don't even care if I just got attacked by that dog because I'm in love, blah, blah, blah. And then the end, you try a recall and he says, screw you. I'm still having fun. And after 30 or 40 recalls, you finally trap him in a corner. You clip that leash back on. He flattens the hell out. He goes home and he goes to bed. The only great thing in that dog room is other dogs. You are nothing but a chauffeur for your dog. Yeah. You have no meaning to your dog. And the only time you call your dog is to wreck his joy. Right. And the leash being put on at the end also wrecks his joy. So if you want to build a dog who is who could give two shits about you, who has a crap recall and hates being caught, the dog park is the absolute best, best place to do that. If you want a dog who thinks that you're the coolest kid on the block and you are dead amazing and you are the bee's knees, then you go to the dog park when there's no one else there and take a Frisbee. Yeah. Now you're cool. You're the thing that brings the joy. You're not the chauffeur. You're actually the cool kid. Or even better, take your dog to the dog park when no one else is there and bring a tug toy. Your dog looks at you and likes you and loves you and remembers that you're cool, not the other dog. Whatever you do, don't take a Frisbee with a multitude of dogs because that's a great way to design a dog fight. I, I just, I hate the idea of owners creating a scenario where the only thing that's great in the dog's life is other dogs. Yeah. And so here's the relationships. Here's the other, um, the other thing. So, Sometimes I like to say to other trainers, oh, I love dog parks just to watch their heads explode. Um, And after they do that, I say, but here's why. I love dog parks as a trainer because I know it's an 
unending source of captive dogs so that I can take a dog who needs to work on being calm and focusing on the owner when there are other dogs around, I can take it to the dog park and work it, you know, a hundred yards away and know that there will be dogs that I can control where they're going to be and use them as a training tool for the dog I'm working with. So I do love it for that because I can, you know, we can work clear on the other side of the park from where the dogs are and the dog I'm working with can see them and not have to interact with them. And I know that they'll be racing and running and barking and doing all the crazy dumb dog things. So I love using it for a resource in that way. Um, But like you said, honestly, the best time to go to a dog park is when there's no other dogs there. And Please, for the love of God, if you hear anybody say that they're taking their dog to the dog park for socialization, or you have that thought yourself, I really want you to go stand in the middle of Antarctica and hose yourself down with cold water. I do. Like, the, or spread yourself with honey and go stand outside in Arizona right now. Um, a dog park should absolutely, positively, 1,000%, Black and white statement never be used for socialization ever. Period. Full stop. Right. For like puppies. For, for puppies. For any dog. Then, any dog. Unless, any dog. And especially for puppies, because puppies are the ones you're socializing. Um, yeah. Well, yes. True. Are, true. True. When they're in that year, when they're in that under year and a half age, so I'm going to go out a year and a half, and I'm going to say because you have fear periods up to two years, depending on your breeds. All it's going to take is one shit experience. You cannot control the other dogs. And again, when we are talking about like this, I'm not talking about, again, using the dog park as I own a dog and you own a dog and they're both appropriate with each other. Let's go together. And when there's no one else there and let our dogs rampage. That is not what we're talking about when we're talking about dog parks. We're talking about what generally people think of, which is you walk up and there are 30 unknown dogs and 30 people staring at their cell phones and one person's throwing a ball for a Labrador and the pit bull's looking at the Labrador and thinking about eating the, the ball and the, the golden retriever goes up and steals the ball from Labrador and then the fight breaks out and no one can understand why because they weren't paying attention. Right. That's what I think of of dog parks. And honestly, if your dog is under the age of two years of age, he should never, I mean, no dog should be in a dog park. But <laughs> since no one's going to listen to us, the the even doubling no dog should be under the age of two because they're in fear periods. And all it's going to take is one dog fight. And your dog is going to spend the rest of his life terrified of black dogs or golden retrievers or German shepherds or every dog it sees or that particular dog park, that single event learning. And we don't want to create that with our puppies. Um, and I'm calling anything under the two, under the age of two as a puppy because you're going to be going through fear periods up until uh, about a year and a half depending on your breed. So yeah. no, no, and especially no puppy in the socialization window, which is under four or five months of age should ever be at a dog park. That is not socialization. That is flooding. And that is bad for your dog. Great. Negatory ghost rider. So yeah. two things, two things. Um, <laughs> and it's gone. One thing. <laughs> 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 that was the best ever. We <laughs> all here. <laughs> oh shit, that's my life. Um, 
Yeah, so seriously, I don't know what it is. It's gone. But I do know the one thing. So so now that we've said, you know, dog parks are crap and you shouldn't use them, um, there is an alternative. And this is a fantastic alternative. And I love this. And it's not necessarily available in all areas, but it just takes a little creativity. There is an app out there called Sniff Spot. Um, N I F F Sniff. Yes, Sniff S N I F F Sniff Spot. And I'm thinking your dogs. I just saw testicles and. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not drive-through neutering. Um, so yes. So it's called Sniff Spot, and what it is is an app that you download where people who have a dog safe space will sign up and you can go and essentially rent the space from them for a predetermined amount of time for you and your dog. And they will tell you, you know, it's fenced or, you know, it's, you know, not fenced, but okay for off leash or for, you know, leash walks only, whatever. But you have a scheduled time there. So you're not going to run into other dog owners. You pay through the app and it's a, like a generally a really minimal fee, like less than $10. Um, and you have a space where you can go with your dogs to explore. Now, keeping in mind, it is generally people's yards, their, their own personal space um, in, in areas where it's more rural, you might find a field, there might be ponds, um, but sometimes in urban environments, it's just people with a nice, secure, larger fenced yard. And they'll say, yeah, you can come in through the gate and you can have from 10 to 1030 and there's water available and, you know, whatever. They'll, they'll give you the parameters of things you need to look out for. But it's basically like super short-term Airbnb for you, you and your dog. So there, it is brilliant. And so there are options out there besides dog parks um, where you can take your dog and let them rampage if well, needed. Yeah. So like, like if you had, if you had an empty, um, an empty paddock from, from your sheep. Yeah. Like that would be, that would be something that you can sign up and say, yeah, you can, you can come let your dog rampage here while there are no sheep. Yeah. No, cause yeah. I mean, well, I, I, cause that's the only flat, where my sheep live, I may have mentioned this, I live on a freaking cliff. So, and I talked earlier about burying, quote unquote, my chicken. Swinging chickens. Granite. So, so I'm living on a knobby, granity, lumpy piece of land. And so my sheep live in the only flat spot on the piece of property, and that is a stock pond. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, thinking, well, are they ducks? Uh, stock ponds in Arizona are actually just dammed up um, dry washes that maybe flood once every other year, depending on the stock pond and the drainage and blah, blah, blah. My stock pond floods about every two years. And so I always joke that my, I pull my sheep out during the summer because it's, I don't want them to drown because it can get about 12 feet deep, but not this year. <laughs> Certainly not this yeah. year. Yeah. But, been no rain. but because it's the only flat spot on the whole, on the whole property, when I take Ruby down, uh, to play Frisbee here instead of going to our illicit park that's top secret. We don't share that information with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, we've made, befriended the local uh, park people, and they are very nice about us having off-leash dogs. But when I don't take her down there, I'll throw the Frisbee for her down with the sheep. 
um, and I'll either, she doesn't, if the Frisbee's there, I could literally, unless I clock a sheep in the head, she doesn't even yeah. see the, uh, she will run over the sheep. She will run through the sheep. She will wonder why there's a concussed sheep standing in the middle of the field. Um, but <laughs> it's a great spot for, for that. And I've had people, I've actually had clients come up here and we've pulled the sheep out of there and put them in their summer habitat where it doesn't flood and just let their dogs rampage inside the, the paddock, the little paddock. Cause it is, it's yeah. fenced for sheep. So anything fenced for sheep is pretty much fenced for dogs. And, or at least if it's fenced for sheep in Arizona, cause that means it's fenced to keep coyotes out. Right. So I could see that. Yeah. I could see that, especially for like horse paddocks and things like that or yeah. anything grassy. Um, we don't have grass in Arizona, which sucks, but in other parts of the country where they actually have grass growing, that'd be really nice. Cause like Ruby just comes back with dirt all over her tongue and all over the Frisbee and it's just gross. It becomes very disgusting, very fast, especially since yeah. I know what that dirt is comprised of. So, um, yeah. So the, my, like I said, I think dog parks have a place. Oh, but I, I remembered what the second thing was. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> See, this Go is how my it. brain works. I love my brain. It's fun. It's an adventure. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to say is that if you bring any child under the age of 18 to a dog park, you should be immediately flogged with your own left arm. I don't <laughs> care what the excuse is. <laughs> You're a very violent person. I'm noticing I, this. This this is one of the things that will put me like zero to a thousand in two seconds flat. Do not bring your freaking children to a dog park, period. Like, I want to call CPS on them. I do. It is so yeah, and dangerous. I don't care how well behaved your children are. Don't do it. Just no, don't do it. Yeah, because you don't know what other dogs are there. Yeah, you don't know what dogs are there, and you know what? I don't care if it's a dog park full of like champion, well-raised golden retrievers. If that dog whips around and takes off after a ball and kneecaps your kid, and they fling through the air and hit their head on the concrete, like whose fault is that? Now it's the dog owner's fault. Even though, you know, there's 14 signs saying no children under the age of 18. Yes, like, yes, there is signage. Yeah, just don't do it. Don't do it. And if you're, if you happen to be at a dog park where people show up with kids, um, please berate them and publicly humiliate them until they leave. Oh <laughs> this is, I have kids. I love kids. This is one that is absolute hard and fast for me. Absolutely. I, I, think makes, I think that makes sense. Just because, like I said, I think the risk is just so extraordinary. And, um, and it's not fair to other people's dogs. It's just not like, it's not fair. No. Like, like I said, if, if my dog whips around for a tennis ball and she's much like tag, she cares not what is in her way between ball and me and plows into your kid and then keeps going for the ball and your kid falls and breaks their wrist now I'm liable for your child's medical bills because why? No. You know, like I just, yeah. yeah, I just have issue with it. So just do not bring your kids. And if you see children publicly shame them until they are, until they leave. Well, and here's the other thing. So there is such a thing um, called large field socialization and large field socialization. And I'm going to have to, because I can't remember the gentleman's name who kind of brought it to the United States, um, 
is, is when trainers and people who know what they're doing take dogs into a large field, hence the name, and uh-huh. socialize those dogs. And one of the things, I don't do large field socialization because I don't have a large field. Um, but one of the things that is very important to understand is if you do decide to ignore our advice, just like you're ignoring your vet's advice and you're going to go ahead and do dog parks anyway, don't stand still. So the uh, best way yeah. to create a dog fight is to create clumping with your dog and resource guarding of you with your dog. And the best way to do that is by standing still and allowing dogs to mill around your legs. Um, I, I mean, I'm so particular about it that even when I do puppy socials, I call it puppy rampages after my puppy classes. So after my puppy classes, I allow appropriate puppy play. And that has to be both puppies engaging and both puppies taking turns playing. It cannot be one puppy hiding underneath the chair. That is not puppy play. That is puppy torture. So if I have a puppy like that, we pick it up. And generally after two or three tries, it eventually, you know, maybe by the third or fourth class says, oh, this is fun after all. But we don't allow it to just kind of suffer until it figures it out. That's not fair. to the Right. So, right. But even in those circumstances, when we're dealing with little bitty puppies, I always have my owners move around. I'm like, you keep moving. Don't stand still. Don't clump. Don't ignore your puppy. This is this is the time to be paying attention. Look at the body language. What's your puppy saying? Watch how this dog plays. You know, I get a lot of phone calls from people who say my dog plays, you know, and I think he's really aggressive because he's really loud. And I'm like, well, right. is he a pit bull? Because pit bulls always sound like they're murdering each other. And they're not aggressive. They're just, they have a giant hollow skull. <laughs> and it's just loud. Yeah. And There's just not a lot not- going on up there. Yeah. And they're just loud and, and they're enjoying themselves. And so, you know, what's important is to understand is that you're, if you're going to allow your dog to play with our dogs and, and you're welcome to do that. I mean, like I said, I let my dog, I mean, my dogs play with other dogs. It just happens to be the other dogs that live on our property. And actually most of my dogs think that other dogs are embarrassing and below them. So they don't actually play because they're border collies and they're snobs. But, um, I, I do ensure that I pay attention to body language because I need to know what's happening before the shit hits the fan. It does me no good. And and if you have a 35 pound dog in a dog fight, that's a lot of teeth. Yeah. And if you don't know how to reach in and grab that dog, somebody's going to get bit and it's probably going to be you. And it could be your own dog. And it doesn't mean that your dog is mean. It just means that your dog was like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm being murdered. Help, help, help. And somebody grabbed me. I'm going to reach around and get them too. And oh shit, mom, was that you? I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, they just panicked and they redirected. So learn to read body language, learn to understand what you're seeing with your dog so that, and pay attention, put your cell phone in your back pocket or leave it in your car and walk around. Don't clump and chat. You can make your friends chat and walk, but you should be paying attention to your dog. At any given minute, what is your dog doing? If you go, I don't know. Well, then you're not paying attention to your dog. Uh-huh. You cannot just ignore, because these aren't little kids playing. These aren't little, oh, look, the little five-year-old's playing. I can ignore them because there's no murderers available or what have you. Worse, they're gonna, you know, they, if they skin their knees, they're gonna come crying to me. These are little three-year-old kids running around, each of them carrying a knife. 
<laughs> well, so, or, you know, 42 knives, depending. Yeah, so so when they decide to have a, a kerfuffle, it's not pulling little Jimmy off of little Bobby Sue, who just is bloodying his nose. It's my my Rottweiler just accidentally killed your golden retriever because I couldn't get him off in time. And it's not or just, it's not just in the collar and he yeah. suffocated before I could get there. It's not just one predatory animal engaging with another predatory animal. It's that plus 12 other predatory animals jumping in on it because that's what instinct tells them to do. And that's the other thing I was about to say. So I have multiple dogs. And, and as a person who has multiple dogs, I do everything in my power to uh, mitigate and avoid dog fights. However, having said that, currently I have I have some dynamics going on at my house that are now causing some dog fights. And I'm pretty certain I know what situations are, but I'm not 100% certain. But what part of it is, is I have an elderly dog and she gets mowed down or accidentally walks into the, the mental space of another dog who's a resource guarder who found something stinky and gross and brought it onto the property with no one's knowledge. And then she walks innocently by because she's kind of living a little bit in her own psychic world. Um, she walks by unaware that she's stepping into this dog's magical zone of defense for this thing. That dog snarks at her, which is not entirely appropriate, but not entirely inappropriate. But then because she's old and kind of getting senile, she begins to scream. Well, the screaming brings on the aggression in the other non-minding their own business dogs elsewhere. So everybody runs in to murder the screaming dog. Right. And, and then I've got four dogs jumping on this poor dog who's just like, doesn't know how this happened. And so, and she's getting a little addled and so she's like a little old lady who just keeps getting jumped by gangsters and doesn't understand why. And again, it's, it's, it's something that I'm aware of. And it's something that I do. I work hard to mitigate because I'm aware that all it takes is her screaming and not me not hearing it. And I've got enough dog power outside as it were to kill this dog. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that if she kept screaming and they kept attacking, because that is what dogs do to, a t to screaming dogs, if they kept going at her, they could kill her. And it doesn't make them bad dogs. It makes them dogs. Yeah, I really think that, I mean, especially since we've read the cute and the fluffy and the tiny, um, one of the first mistakes dog owners make is forgetting that they live with a predator. And yeah, we've, we've raised and or bred out a lot of their predatory instincts, but they have pointy teeth for a reason. Like there, there are parts of them that can kill things and it doesn't make them anything other than canines. Like that's, that's what they are. It's what they do. Um, and so I think, you know, in situations where <laughs> in situations where things can go sideways, like dog parks or daycares or, you know, group play with unknown dogs, like you got to consider that that's a possibility that things can go sideways. And if they go sideways, there's going to be teeth and biting. 
Yeah, and 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 they and they do things instinctively. I mean, I, you know, I would like to sit down and explain to all the other dogs. If Ketchum is screaming, don't try to murder her. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not Ketchum's fault. She's a senile old dog and she responds to everything by screaming. That's that's her per, you know. So and I'd like to sit down and say to Ketchum, you know, if you stopped screaming, they would this simply walk happen away. to you. Yeah. 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 But I can't explain that. And there's something hardwired in dogs that if they hear another dog screaming, they don't come and running and helping. That is not, you know, if you hear a person screaming, hopefully you you either are like, you know, you either run towards the screaming because you want to help or you act in a highly embarrassing manner and run away from the screaming because you're not, you don't want to be part of it. But I'm hoping you don't run in with a baseball bat and just start assaulting the, the screamer. But I was going to say, exactly or, if you're a or if you're a parent and you yell from the other room, would you please shut the hell up? Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. But yeah. um, but that's just a parenting thing. Yeah. But dogs, dogs don't do that. They attack. And there's something in the wiring yeah. and it's just who they are. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I had, you know, just recently I had, um, I, I think Ketchum got too close to one of the dogs who was resource guarding a dead animal that they brought onto the property that smells really impressive and they all need emergency baths. A whole other story. Yuck. And, you know, she either wandered into that or, or the moron that's here on the property slammed into her and she started to scream and everybody jumped in and tag yeah. was part of it. And tag is currently my favorite puppy. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm angry at her. I'm pissed. You know, you can't yeah. try to eat my dog, but at the same time, you know, I, it's my job to keep Ketchum safe, not tags mine. And the fact that she got attacked again is my fault for allowing her to be in the situation with that group of dogs. And same thing with dog parks. You know, I hear people say, oh, my dog keeps getting attacked. Oh, my God. Really? Stop taking More than it. one? <laughs> Jesus. Stop taking stop it. Stop Just allowing stop. it to happen. Yeah. Or my dog keeps attacking their dog, but he doesn't mean it. Mm, yeah, he does. So if your dog bullies other dogs, if he constantly chases other dogs, if he's a border collie or an Aussie and tries to control the other dogs, if if some idiot keeps bringing a ball to the dog park to play with their dog and your dog grabs it and keeps getting attacked. Um, if your dog humps other dogs, either out of play or out of sexual stimulation, stop taking your dog to a dog park. Yeah, there's or go when, there's, go when there's nobody there and leave if somebody shows up. Right. And there's no, here's the other thing I'd like to make this very, dogs don't need a thousand dog friends. No, 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 not at all. Think, think about, think about yourself. Like how many people do you regularly hang out with for an extended period of time doing an activity that isn't family? Yeah. Well, and strangers. I mean, how many times are you thrown strangers, into a yeah. stranger and expected to play? And, and so they don't need a bunch of random dog, dog friends. And honestly, I, my personal opinion is a dog is, per, if a dog is appropriately kept busy, it doesn't need any dog friends at all. Right. It just needs a human. We, this idea that dogs need a thousand, and this is what I was talking about a while ago, is there's the idea that dogs need to have all these dog friends. This is a new, this is a new concept. This, no, if you ask, if you went back only 40 years and said to somebody who's in the seventies or eighties, Hey, I'm getting a dog, you know, I'm doing to take my dog to a dog park where you can play all day with a bunch of friends. He'd be like, why? They don't need that. Yeah. Why would they need that? 
they, honestly, it's it's a brand new idea that this idea that these dogs need to be constantly stimulated by other dogs. They do not. Um, I had I've had multiple dogs in the past where I owned. Well, not I've only had one. I had one dog in the past where I owned one dog. She was the yeah. dog. She was the only dog I owned. And now, granted, she was a truck dog and she went with me and traveled with me, but she had a very busy life and she thought other dogs were embarrassing and below her. <laughs> and if you ask some of my current dogs if they also believe that other dogs are somewhat embarrassing and below them. You know, Cody doesn't play with the other dogs. Dice thinks other dogs playing is traumatic. Um, so there's no law that says your dog needs to have a bunch of friends. And, and if you really feel like your dog needs a friend, go find your dog a friend. But this need, you do not, and tiring at your dog by letting them Lord of the Flies be in this heightened state of arousal, that is not the way to go. That is, no. I, I really no. want my dog to care about me. I am the important thing in the family. I am the giver of cool shit. And I, when I, my dog sees another dog, I don't want my other dog, my dog to say, oh my God, there's my, my new best buddy. I don't even know that dog and start screaming and acting like an asshole on the leash. I want my right. dog to see another dog and be completely neutral and say, oh, there's another dog. Just like they say, oh, there's another rock. Oh, there's another cactus. Oh, look, that's a tree. I don't want them to get emotionally invested in every dog they see any more than I want them being emotionally invested in every human they see. So I, I don't socialize my dogs outside their social circle. Uh, we play disc with a friend of mine and actually this is a perfect example. So we play disc, uh, with a friend of mine. So we will have up to three dogs at once, possibly off leash in a park playing disc. And those dogs don't even really look at each other, they yeah. don't look at each other at all. They, the other dogs are the least important part of their environment. Um, Cody plays with me or tag plays with me ruby plays with me graham plays with my friend cole plays with her husband and that's it and all three the puppy is not a they have the puppy cole is not a lot off leash because he's a puppy and a little bit of a dingleberry but the other three will be all off leash together they don't care and actually after disc practice we'll let all of them off leash we'll have 10 to 15 dogs off leash after disc practice not one of those dogs is playing with another dog. They're all playing disc or playing yeah. to their owners. So the idea that these dogs need to be around other dogs, I think is, is, I think it's, in, I think it's incorrect. I think it's largely a fictional belief that we've put on ourselves. I, I mean, I think there's something to it because I, you know, if you, again, if you look at the history of dogs, yeah, they used to be village dogs. Um, you know, it used to be that People would leave for work in the morning or go to the farm in the morning. And if the dog couldn't follow them, they would just kind of hang out and go hang out with the village dogs and then come home at night and, or hang out on the porch with generally other dogs. And then at night they'd see their But that's a, that's a, a known social group too. That's right. the difference exactly. is these yeah. dogs are all familiar with each other on a regular yeah, basis and, and, or yeah. very likely in that case related to each other. Yeah. Well, and if you came home and your dog didn't come home because it got killed by the other dogs, you never knew. You just went and got another dog. Yeah. And, you know, I will say, full disclosure, because I know at some point when we're rich and famous, somebody will listen to this and then go through my Facebook feed and be like, you have pictures of your dogs at a dog park. 
Yes. Oh, do you? Yes, I do. I do. Because, you know, the, the pictures you will see of my dog at a dog park are my dog at a dog park alone. My dog oh, right. um, at a dog park with the caption of, this is why we left immediately afterwards. And it's showing a picture of small children. Um, oh, or yeah, my... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or my dog at a dog park that was um, near my home in rural upstate New York that was a two and a half acre dog park um, that was L-shaped and had four four points of entry and exit. Uh, and we were there in, you know, off times when it was quiet and I could judge which dogs were there and which dogs were okay to play with. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. I think that matters. Cause so, so like I've, so there's a beach. So I, I've been to, I spent a lot of time in Southern California and I, I love Southern California to visit. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world to visit, not to live because there are way too many people, but to visit, it's awesome. And there's a dog park, I believe down by Huntington beach and just, it's a coolest. I had, I would just sit up on the dog park. I'd sit on the bluff above the dog park and just watch the dogs play. It just made me happy as hell. But so this is a huge long beach. So imagine maybe a half mile of beach and on the half mile of beach, you've got maybe now I was never down on the weekend. So I'm going to say maybe 20 dogs. Okay. So of the 20 dogs, you've probably got 14 or 15 of those dogs are playing with their owner in some way. They are all separated and they're playing, you know, the owner's throwing a bumper into the ocean or the dog is playing with the yikes, owner in the ocean or the dog is playing Frisbee, what have you. Then there's maybe four or five dogs who are playing with each other, rampaging up and down the beach. And that's it. That is, I think that's the picture people want to think they see at dog parks. And, and outside of Arizona, there might be big dog parks. I can't speak for other parts of the country. I'm going to say that here, because in, in Southern Arizona, because lawns cost so much to water, we just can't afford to have hundred acre dog parks. But if, if you had a big hundred acre dog park where you could throw a Frisbee for your dog and no one else's dog would be in the way, or maybe one other person's dog would be in the way, but they're playing Frisbee too, that would be cool. That would be, that'd be what I think they're designed for. It is like the dog beach where the dogs are simply off leash, but they're mostly focused on the human beings. Maybe a couple puppies are playing up and down the, the beach, but most of the dogs are focused on the human beings. And maybe, like I said, and the other ones, the owners are generally walking up and down the beach themselves. So even as the puppies are rampaging and playing, the owners are walking with the dogs up and down the beach because they're running or they're doing whatever beachy things they're doing. What you don't right. see when you go to the, a dog beach, dog friendly beach, is 10 people all standing in a five square foot area talking to each other and 10 dogs in a 150 square foot area bouncing off of each other. I, I think that's, that's where we have an issue. So again, if you live someplace and you're lucky enough to have, you know, 40 acres where there are 40 dogs and therefore is pretty much, you know, one dog per acre, then yeah, yeah. that's a dog park that's totally appropriate and safe because that's not a fly, a Lord of the Flies free for all. That is probably your dog hanging out with one of his best buddies and they're charging around or chasing squirrels or doing whatever it is. I will doing. say, I will say 
probably underlined because there's always that person that's going to bring their asshole husky who's going to haul buns from two and a half acres away just to pile drive your 20 pound dog always well yeah well and your 20 pound dog should not be with the husky that's the other thing is i i don't know how many times i heard well my dog really likes playing with big dogs he doesn't like playing with little dogs and like here's the thing owner of small edible snack dog <laughs> I don't your dog care. is small and edible and snack sized. Yeah, I don't care if your Yorkie prefers to play with the Great Danes. A Great Dane doing a play bow can break your Yorkie's spine. Not, yeah. not even on purpose. Just play bowing. Just a so, play bow can, and, and all it takes for an aggressive dog to kill that little dog is about 10 seconds. A grab yep, and a, grab a shake. And a shake. Yep. And your Grab dog is gone. gone. Yep. So yep. it's All funny because Mort is my chihuahua. Right. Mort, Lord Voldemort von Sissy Pants the Third, is my. Name. It's fantastic. It's bigger than he is. Is my five pound long haired chihuahua. I also call him my long haired Mexican Rottweiler, um, because as chihuahuas. Right. As Chihuahuas are wont to do, he is convinced that he is a fucking badass. And for the most part, he's right. However, he is capable of being wiped off this planet by one move and one move only, which is the swipe and smear, which bigger dogs love to do, where they they kind of playfully reach out and slap him on the top of the head with a paw and then smear that paw back towards them. Yeah. Uh, thus far, he has evaded this move. But if somebody, a dog bigger than him, does that, like oh, yeah, they can he's cause toast. he's toast. They can cause serious, serious damage. And it's it's a totally innocent move. Like it's not necessarily an aggressive move. It's just a I don't know how the hell to play with something this small. Like what happens if I boop it? Like it's not meant to be aggressive, but. He's five pounds. People's shoes are bigger than him. Well, so honestly, if, if my dog saw, if, if I took my dogs to a dog park, let's say I ever took my dogs to a dog park, and they saw a Yorkie or a Chihuahua or some little tiny snackable r- running along the fence line, they probably would take chase because they wouldn't even recognize it as a dog. And yeah. they could theoretically catch and kill it before they realized, oh, shit. My bad. This is one of us. Oopsie. Hopefully no one saw that. Yep. And, and it's not, again, that your dog is bad. It, it's that your dog, honestly, my dogs kill rabbits. And there is no reason that my, my dogs have never met a tiny, tiny dog. And in the heat of the moment, if they saw a sprinting dog, they would their prey drive would kick in and they'd immediately start being predatory. And unless that dog triggered something by saying, hey, I'm a dog, by maybe barking. But if it starts screaming, well, we already talked about what happens there. (laughs) If it starts screaming in terror, it's done for. um, Because now you've got two instincts triggering. You've got the kill the screaming animal and you've got the kill the bunny rabbit. Unless it turns around and goes arf, arf, arf. And they go, whoa, dude, did you see that? That's the tiniest dog I've ever seen. They're going to kill it. And again, it's not about... I I always try to tell people this because I've had people ask me, oh, my dog... My Labrador killed the neighbor's chihuahua puppy who came underneath the fence. 
is he safe with my kids? I'm like, unless your kids are tiny chihuahua puppies who climb underneath your fence, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. A, killing, killing an intruder dog on your property in a situation you know nothing about and your children, they're not, they're not compatible. Uh, my dogs can kill rabbits all day long and my chickens are safe or, or my neighbor's cats are safe. Um, so they are smart enough to recognize the difference, but if they've never seen a chihuahua or they've never seen a small running animal running, I mean, my dogs may have seen small dogs, but they've never seen one sprinting across their field. They're going to take chase, dude, that's the coolest rabbit. And I think I can catch this one and it'd be done. And so I urge everybody, please be aware of the size differential and be aware of the fact that it is an accident. It just takes one. I mean, it could be an aggression. It could be a situation where the dog just freaking hates other dogs and is an asshole, but right. your dog is just as dead, regardless of, of the reason. Um, it doesn't help you say, Oh, it was an accident. So it's okay. I'll just get a new fluffy. No. And it's traumatizing for everybody. It's traumatizing for the person whose dog just killed your dog. I mean, they don't, they don't feel good either. You know, because right. now they're start because again, most people start extrapolating from that. Well, is is my other dog safe? Is my child safe? Am I safe? Well, okay, A, yes, you are. But B, it's it's traumatizing. So just be very aware of the size differential and be very aware that it doesn't at that two thirty pound dogs in a dog fight, once you get a couple others piling in, you could kill you they could easily kill one of those dogs. It doesn't take yeah. much to kill a dog. Yeah. And just, I mean, again, I don't know too many small dogs, unless they're terriers, who want to mix it up at a dog park or any sort of dog social setting. Um, mostly because... They know. They know. They're, they know the world is bigger than them, and it's kind of terrifying. So, yeah. yeah. The math and... So be honest with yourself on that, too, is to whether your dog is truly enjoying it or you just want your dog to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, to sum up, dog parks good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> and your dog they doesn't need a thousand bad. friends. Yeah. Your yeah, dog no. it, it, don't feel like you're a bad owner. I mean, I think we're in a society now where it's almost like you don't take your dog to a dog park. What's wrong with you? That is not, please don't get sucked into that. If you don't take your dog to the dog park, you're completely, you, it wasn't that long ago that they were freaking invented. So yeah. just, you know, they, they are not a necessary component of any dog's life. No dog needs a dog park. Um, no dog needs doggy daycare. And, and it's your job to take up that space in your dog's life. And, and I, you will have a better relationship if that's what you do. If you are not just a chauffeur, if you are actually engaging in your dog's life. Yeah. And it sounds snotty and kind of arrogant on my part, I'm sure. But that's what I always urge people to do. Just be the coolest thing in your dog's world. And then your dog doesn't need a bloody dog park or maybe it needs to go hang out with his friends once a month or you know maybe you're you know a, a neighbor visits and they can go rampage in the backyard or whatever i'm just i'm not a fan of dog parks and i'm actually not a ma massive fan of doggy daycares i just think they're overstimulating i think they're too much for most most dogs 
Um, I think they, they, they are damaging to the human dog relationship because they take the human out of the fun. I just don't want my dogs to find fun without me. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard because like for me personally, I'm, God, this, this sounds awful, but I know how to use them responsibly. Right. So it's a resource I like to have available to me because I know how to use it wisely. Um, but I, yeah, cause again, don't, I yeah, don't like think I saying, for most people. So yeah, like, like I was saying is when we were talking about, when I say dog park, Again, what I'm talking about is the free-for-all 20 dogs. I mean, again, if you're going in the middle of the night and using it to play Frisbee, that I'm not that that is a pro, that is absolutely what they're for. Or you're taking it and you're going with your neighbor's puppy or what have you and your puppy and they're playing. That's but when we are gen, when I'm generalizing and saying the word dog park, what I'm imagining is the free-for-all 30 right. or, you know, 20 or 30 dogs that you don't know, you know, and and 20 or 30 people that you don't know all standing around staring at their cell phones and best in one person throwing a ball for the dog, making sure that they cause some sort of resource guarding issue. So that's what I, when I mean, I'm generalizing the phrase dog park. Sure. Sure. Of course. That scene, you know, so I think, yes, there are absolutely ways to take a large field that's fenced and make it responsible. And, but that is not what people think of. I think most of the time when they're thinking of a dog park. They're not thinking yeah. of the baseball diamond down the road. Um, they're thinking of, oh, my dog needs 14 friends yeah. every day so, for an hour. So def- definitely check out um, applications like Sniff Spot. Um, and I'm sure Leanne will be you know, thoughtful enough to put a link for it in the show notes. I will. Link, link. I have nudge, nudge, nudge. Yes. Um, <laughs> So check it out. The last time I checked it out for the Tucson area, it was not super active, but um, you just have to spread. We just have to spread the word about, you know, like I've thought about signing up my, my yard for it. Cause I have a large fenced yard. So um, I would just be so scared of liability. I would just be so scared. All it takes is one idiot tripping and falling and then they sue you and now you've lost your house. And there's, that would be there's, my, that's my fear. I have to, we'd have to re, we'll have to research it. I think that there is, that's, I want to say I think it's taken care of through the app, meaning you basically okay, sign like, away sign away all okay. your rights by agreeing to use it. Okay, um, kind of like Rover, you know, because I use I use Rover for, and that's an app as well for, because I obviously I can't board my dogs, uh, yeah. too many, <laughs> and no one boards sheep and no one boards chickens, geese or ducks, they're all very short sighted, and so. <laughs> And it would bankrupt me. <laughs> it would be, I couldn't even imagine how much that would cost. So I, I hire people off of rover.com because I don't have any local 4-H kids to do it for me. And they that's what they, they cover liability. They cover uh, vet bills to a certain extent. They cover liability. So if the person's on my property taking care of my animals and they fall and they break their ass, I don't, they can't sue me. They're, they're covered and their medical bills are covered. So if their broken ass has to be repaired that's covered. If they yeah. get bitten by one of my dogs, that's covered. If I think one of my dogs gets injured by them, that's covered. If they decide to throw a kegger and invite all their friends and my house gets robbed, that's covered. So um, that's why I use yeah. it is I, is I, and I'm very careful about how I pick people out, but 
um, I think those apps, I think they have value. And, and I think that if you're careful and cautious and smart about how you use them, I think they're incredibly valuable to hook you up with other dog, dog people. So anyway, yeah. okay. Well, I think we beat this to death and as we, are, exactly as we tend to do. And we said exactly what your veterinarian said and your own dog trainer, which is probably don't. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And, and ambivalent about daycares. Cause I'm sure, you know, veterinarians don't, veterinarians don't say don't go. They're kind of like, well, you know, and that's generally how dog trainers are. Well, you know, unless they have a vested interest, unless they own one, in which case they're like all for it. Right. But and I, again, kind of- I say no, know what you're looking for in that case. Yeah. In case the daycare, know what you're looking for. And uh, yeah, definitely look into that. Educate yourself and just make sure that your dog is enjoying themselves. I mean, that for me, the biggest thing is I just hate to see the, I hate the idea of seeing a dog underneath the table for 12 hours of a day. That's just a shit existence. So, okay. Well, like, rate, review. There's another one. Share. Like, share. Share. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.